Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Tips of the Iceberg podcast. I'm your host, Amy Souter, with Produce Market Guide, or PMG for short, and The Packer, two trade publications in the fresh produce industry. Like this show name implies, these interviews are just a tidbit of the in-depth content that we provide to help our industry improve. This week, we hit on a hot topic that's on everyone's minds, inside and outside our industry, price inflation. Ben Reich, founder and CEO of Data Assembly, tracks billions of grocery retail prices from every store at hundreds of retailers. So you can follow pricing trends at a hyper local level for every item you sell. In our case, we focus on fresh produce prices. He shares insights on how these prices are changing, where, why, and on which items. Let's hear the details straight from Ben. Hi, Amy. Thanks for having me. So we love data (laughs) and we want to know um, what your company knows all about uh, inflation as it has to do with fresh produce. And obviously there's a lot of it these days, (laughs) the the inflation. (laughs) Uh, The data, yeah. (laughs) And the data. (laughs) And hopefully the produce, although sometimes volumes can't match the demand lately. But uh, first off, how about you just tell us what this data says about the situation? Sure. Um, Yeah, so in our data and data assemblies data stream, we see really unprecedented levels of of price increases right now. Um, This is across the board. It seems like no category is really immune to the the pricing pressure that's felt across the, the grocery store right now. Um, but we do see, especially most recently, some real uh, increased push on the prices of, of produce. Um, it's, a, it's a really interesting situation to track um, as we're able to see these factors come into play at a hyper-local level, and you're seeing trends that are you know, not, not store-specific, not region-specific, not category-specific, mm-hmm. but really that lowest level of granularity, you know, specific items at specific stores or specific regions uh, experiencing this, this pricing pressure in, in different ways. And so it's a really complex situation that we're all facing. Okay, so, um, so you're saying it's not something you can generalize about a region of the US or, I mean, is it basically similar across the whole country? So then, no, there's definitely some some regional trends. You know, we we're seeing, um, you know, whole whole areas of 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 the country um, and whole metro areas experiencing, you know, the, this pressure on different categories more acutely. Um, you know, for example, we were seeing the kind of year on year inflation for produce in Milwaukee and New York and Chicago being all well above ten percent. Um, while in other places like Minneapolis and New Orleans and, and Kansas City, um, you know, much lower uh, inflationary period. My, my point was just that it's, um, it, you know, it's it's very difficult to, to generalize or predict, given that the retailers have um, really brought to bear uh, like a, a surgical precision when it comes to their ability to to tune their prices and their availability and their assortment and their uh, promotions to the to their local theory of the shopper and the hyper local competitive environment, uh, and so there's some uh, obvious regional trends that pop out in the data, um, but it's it is quite difficult to generalize. 
So each retailer is tailoring their prices to their demographics of each location. That, that's right. And it's not even, you know, it's, it's tailoring it to the demographics, not, e not even of each just, uh, you know, not each retailer, but even each region for each retailer, even every store. And so you'll find, right. you know, amazing hyper-local price movement where even two stores of the same retail banner in the same metro area uh, might have a different strategy when it comes to which products they're taking price on and which ones um, they're passing on the price increase to the shopper. Um, and all this is based on, like you said, the kind of hyper-local demographics, uh, the hyper-local competitive uh, environment. I mean, that's a major factor here when it comes to mm -hmm. elasticity, of course, if there's a, you know, a discount retailer across the street that's competing in a certain number of products that, you know, that, that this retailer for their theory of the shopper thinks is a real KVI, a known value item that drives shoppers into the store, you know, they might have a different uh, propensity to increase price for, for those items versus another store that uh, that might, you know, not have any localized competition. And so we're seeing the, the kind of totality of all this information, the hyper-local competitive environment, the demographics in the area, and then of course the kind of core actual factors, commodities prices, you know, supply chain issues, freight costs, all these factors come into play to create a really complex tapestry of how these price increases are actually hitting the shopper. Um, you know, instead of kind of a blanket average across the country, when you view things at this hyper-local level, you're seeing some places where, you know, prices for specific items are going up 50% and other items are completely flat uh, and mm -hmm. other places where, uh, you know, the, those items might be flipped, right? And, and it's all to do with this, um, you know, the ability of the retailer to ingest all of this information and, and affect these changes in a way that they've never been able to before. So how do buyers negotiate prices when they're buying for multiple stores of all different price points? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it's uh, it's kind of the wild west out there when it comes to this kind of the, the new normal of of um, of this level of of, uh, you know, price granularity that we're seeing in the market. Um, so we're seeing that negotiation play out. I think in, in a lot of really interesting ways, I mean, everyone's trying to anchor to the commodities prices and we're seeing those kind of increase. We know that the it's easy to point to the broader inflationary environment and the mm -hmm. supply chain issues and, and demand to price increase. Um, and then, you know, it's really up to the retailer to, um, to play their game of averages to find a way to keep their margins and keep the manufacturer happy with their margins while managing the shopper expectation. Uh, and that's a complicated game, but what we're seeing in the market is um, one critical factor there is tracking your competition with much more granularity and recency than ever. You know, these are a lot of these retailers used to, you know, track this, these kind of factors quarterly or, you know, send secret shoppers into their competition, you know, every six months or kind of, do, you know, look at a metro level average that just doesn't cut it anymore. Right. You, you just need to be more precise when it comes to how you're um, how you're managing your price perception to the shopper. Uh, and one of the most critical factors there is the competitive environment, especially when you're selling, you know, either packaged goods or commodities goods where it's, you know, it's the same banana if you buy it here across the street. And, and you know, everyone knows that prices is, is one of the most salient factors when it comes to 
to shopper decision making. Um, and so that's just a, a critical piece to, to be managed. Produce seems so much harder because it changes so much compared to, well, everything else or fresh, anything else that's not fresh, but yeah, CPG. Yeah, yeah. definitely produce is, I think, a, a real challenge. And then simultaneously it includes some of the items that are, are kind of most uh, inelastic, you know, and, and, and also some that are um, extremely elastic, right? So we're thinking about, you know, one category produce or fresh that includes, you know, organic imported avocados and, you know, uh, potatoes, right? Or, you know, some, some stuff that's really kind of staples um, versus uh, luxury goods. And so, you know, you could even kind of identify trends based on those attributes and, and where it sits along the um, the spectrum of kind of shopper behavior. And, and there too, speaking of demographics, you know, different items in different regions uh, might be considered staples or, or luxury goods, right? And, and there might be a different um, propensity to, uh, to, to, you know, to be responsive to, um, um, to price in, in different regions. Like certain items that people from, from different cultures are, that are staples for them. Yeah, for, yeah, I mean, that for, for example, you know, I think, like, you know, like I said, it's, it's really hard to kind of just look at price and back into exactly what the retailer strategy is, because there's so many inputs now, the raw inputs, the competitive environment, their strategy, their pricing pressure, their demographics, um, you know, the, you know, their, uh, their assortment changes, their promotional cadence, I mean, all of these things come together in a, uh, a way that it's almost impossible to fully back into the retailer strategy just by viewing price, which is which is what Data Assembly does. But the trends, you know, it, it, to some extent, speak for themselves. I mean, you see regions where um, I think we saw in in, uh, in in Minneapolis and Milwaukee where uh, potatoes prices were up fifty percent year on year, um, and other you know, and, and the national average was was under twenty percent, which is still a huge increase, by the way, um, and, yeah. and, and has a, a major potato. Uh, uh, supply chain issues, I think, and uh, and volumes are are down, um, but that you know that just speaks to how you can have like one area where uh, a product that's critical uh, can experience a lot more um, pricing pressure than in others. So, are, can you make any kinds of generalizations about different commodities like citrus, lettuce, onions, apples? Is it, I mean, I know when you it's so different when you get granular. Yeah. But um, it has anything, are you seeing overall trends and anything skyrocketing more than other things? Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely, you know, I do, I do think, you know, important to set the baseline that everything's increasing, right? We really are seeing right. almost across the board increases in produce, fresh categories, and really across the retail store. Um, um, in terms of specific types of produce, uh, I think two that stood out in the data when we looked in were potatoes, like I mentioned. Um, you know, and I think there's been a lot of stories out there about the, uh, you know, issues of producing enough potatoes and um, uh, and supply chain issues uh, in that category. So yeah, I think that we saw a 19% increase uh, year on year in in January uh, in in average price, and and like I said, with some metro areas. 50 or even close to 60% year on year uh, price increases. So quite shocking numbers. Yeah. Another place I think that won't be a surprise 
um, to anyone given the news around the um, the ban of imports from Mexico. But mm. um, the avocado prices are indeed, you know, we're very responsive to uh, to that action. Um, whether that was, you know, an immediate action or an excuse the retailers were using given the shopper expectations, you know, that's another factor that you always have to think about here, how much, um, you know, these stories of inflation and price increases kind of prime the shopper to expect higher prices and give the retailer an opportunity to take price on certain categories and kind of managing that story themselves is a, mm. an interesting piece of the story. But anyway, but in avocados, it, it is, you know, it's, it's, again, it's quite shocking. I mean, we're seeing really across the board um, um, price increases, almost a, a, a fi- almost a 50% increase in the January 22 average versus the the year on year uh, January 21 average price for um, you know a single house avocado. I need to next time I go to the store look because I usually buy one to three every every visit to the store avocado. Well, that's actually it. Actually, does bring up another interesting factor, which is how the kind of how the retailer is able to um, you know play with their price perception even as they are increasing price, and so you see. Um, factors like, you know, multi-packs, you know, trying to sell three or five to kind of uh, affect their uh, margins game, even as they are, they're increasing price. And so you'll see, you know, certain items that used to be sold individually suddenly bagged up or vice versa, or assortment changes where, you know, perhaps, you know, the, the, the organic avocado that they would suddenly need to sell for $3.00 each to make any sort of margin that is just not even available anymore. And that's replaced with a non-organic avocado. So these sorts of assortment changes and pack changes, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a slew of new tools that are also available to the retailer as they're able to not only affect price hyper locally, but assortment and private label and attribution and different, um, different, um, you know, versions of the same product. So it's, um, um, you know, there's, there's a lot that the retailer can do now to kind of ease the shopper into the, the increased price environment that they are experiencing. What's attribution? You know, if, if you're, if you're talking about something being organic in this example, or non-GMO or, or gluten-free, you know, these, these attributes that they're able to um, you know, strategically either boast about and, and prominently display or elide if, if, uh, if it's not helpful to the price perception. Um, so it's, a, it's just an, a factor that I think they're more attuned to than, than previously. Oh, okay. So they'll decide, like, sometimes they can uh, put those labels or, or, or things in the prom- promotions or the marketing point of sale to kind of give a more of a backup for why the prices are higher because look it's it's this or that even though exactly. it already was before but it, exactly um, so it's it, to raise the price exactly so it's that you know look we all know that there are commodities prices increases there is an there is an inflationary pressure right now um but that price perception how the shopper feels when he or she is putting items in their basket um, is critical, and there's so many factors um, that can that can affect that, including assortment changes. You know, it's just just different items appearing uh, in the category as well. So yeah, it's those kind of prominence of attributes, changes in assortment. Um, you know, these are all, all and promotional cadence and how they're expressing promotions, all factors that that can kind of 
uh, affect that shopper expectation. How do you express promotions? You mean like whether it's in store with physical materials or like on social media or ads or what? Do you, what uh, certainly kind of the, the marketing around it, but also just what sorts of promotions are available. So whether it's a, you know, buy to get one free, which might encourage kind of larger pack sizes, larger baskets, uh, which can help with the, you know, the retailers, um, uh, you know, um, balancing margin versus uh, revenue. Um, or if it's, um, you know, a way that they can, you know, increase price and then quickly run a promotion to kind of ease shoppers into that new price point and, you know, so that they run the increased price, then run a promotion, then lay off, then kind of roll off the promotion to ease the shopper in. These are all techniques that um, the retailer has available to them. And, and, and like I said, it's, you know, they're able to do this with much more granularity than they ever have been before. Uh, and so, you know, being responsive to the to the retail environment, hyper-locally being involved, you know, the, the hyper-local demographics um, and doing things much more quickly. So, you know, instead of changing price quarterly or monthly, they're able to do it, you know, with much more frequency as well. Which, uh, which roles at retail are the ones making all these decisions? The vice president of produce for the whole retailer, the produce managers at each store, um, the buyers, the people in headquarters, or who? yeah, it runs the gamut. You know, there's there's a lot of these decisions being made. You know, some of the some of the you know baseline um, numbers, of course, are established at you know when the buyer is 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 um, uh, negotiating. Um, but you know, there's there's a slew of people in the chief market, chief merchandising officer, and, and chief marketing officers that are are um are affecting this you know we we find some retailers even have um for certain kvis that they really believe affect shopper perception they even give you know the regional or store manager autonomy to be responsive to the store across the street so it's all the way from you know the kind of uh from the moment of purchase to the however they're managing their promotions to the um you know category managers um all the way down to to the store manager as well so uh depending on the retailer strategy and how they've um you know designated this responsibility it's it's a, a lot of different potential decision makers um that come together to to affect price right now so back to the different types of commodities and have you seen any what's increased the least um, you know, we see some categories like um, milk, butter, and eggs, dairy, um, um, alcohol. Um, again, every category has experienced price increases over the last two years now. But um, um, some of those categories that are either, we believe, um, you know, just critical for price perception and are really just, you know, these KPIs that the retailer doesn't want to move on price with because they know that the the gallon of milk, for example, just drives shoppers and the price that, the, you know, their perception leaving the stories is so affected by that gallon of milk price that they're, they're more hesitant to move on that or categories, you know, like alcohol, you know, that might have either an increased broader competitive environment due to home delivery or new, uh, new kind of retailers emerging in, 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 in beverage and alcohol. 
um, or or even just kind of core attributes of, of those categories, like whether it's truly um, elastic, you know, demand is elastic to price and they're, they, you know, they don't want to lose uh, any shoppers. So um, we're seeing increases across the board. I'd say dairy and alcohol have stood out. If you look at the grocery price index we launched, the Data Assembly Grocery Pricing Index, um, some of these trends really stand out. I mean, you could, you know, you could quickly, for example, see produce increasing along with the, you know, it's kind of middle of the pack uh, on the two-year trend. But if you look at it kind of more recently, you're seeing a more acute increase. Um, and you could see just clearly at the bottom of the list, alcohol and, and dairy, while towards the top, you have the other categories like uh, meat and seafood, you know, quite dramatic, candy more recently, um, uh, you know, bakery, prepared meals, all having dramatic increases year on year. For fresh produce, why why do you think recently? Um, we're not sure. You know, there's there's a, a, a confluence of all these uh, factors. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I believe that some of the uh, more salient price increases, like we mentioned, potatoes, avocados, some of those, you know, are affecting the overall category in the basket. I think that perhaps there was some items in that category, um, bananas that were, you know, that are, are perceived to be one of those super KVIs that drives shopper perception. And so there was oh, a, like a hesitance to move there, like milk. I was thinking bananas were that version with the version of milk yeah. produce. And so I think produce is, a, is it's, you know, I mean, I don't have to tell you it's a complicated category, right? I yeah. think it, it, it includes, you know, um, some of the most luxury goods, some of the most core staples and everything in between. It's it sometimes is considered, I think, most tied to commodities prices because it, you know, comes out the ground and you could sell it. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, I think that um, um, you know, it's starting to compete in the grocery store with just a slew of other mechanisms. Home delivery of produce is, is kind of increasing. We're, we're seeing the availability of that in a way that, you know, we've had for packaged goods, I think for a little bit longer, but people are, um, are now able to order that, um, themselves. It's so it's it, it a little more, yeah, it's starting to trust it a little bit more. Um, so you know, all, all I can say is we are seeing, a, a, I mean, it's been a steady increase the whole time. So, it, you know, it, it hasn't been flat like some of the other categories, um, but it, the, the last couple months seem to have really kind of taken off on the, on the, on the overall category prices. Um, what are shoppers doing in response to these price increase, uh, increases? Are you seeing that like buying less up, opting for, we say, private labels, buying bulk, um, right. doing less convenience or value-added, fresh cut. Right. So at Data Assembly, we, you know, we collect the, yeah. the, the information that's presented to the shopper, the price, the promotion, the availability. We collect that at a massive scale, right? We collect billions of these sorts of product observations a day. Um, and our corpus of historical data now includes over a trillion product observations over the last five years. So we have an amazing, you know, really unprecedented pulse on hyper-local, real-time price, promotion, and assortment uh, movement. We don't uh, collect information on shopper behavior. And so, um, you know, we have our, our, our slew of partnerships and, and, and retail and CPG partners from which we can glean some of this, but we're certainly no experts on kind of the responsiveness of the shopper here. So I don't want to overstate what we know. Yeah. 
Well, I think um, we're partnering with you um, just recently. So we'll have some of that great data to analyze and report on even more than before. Yeah. Yeah. Excited to, to get, um, you know, your, your reporting on it. Cause you know, what we're seeing, it's, it's just, it's unprecedented, right? The, the amount of price increases we're seeing um, you look at the, gro- you know, the grocery price index, like I said, that we launched and it's um, it's quite stark and quite shocking. And there's so much to unpack. There's so many factors that have come together to cause this environment. Um, yeah, I'm eager to hear the kind of broader perspective from 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 you guys on on uh, the most salient factors of, of what's causing this. What do you think uh, all the people who work at retailers um, and all different levels need data to learn what the competitors are doing? What just it helps them figure out how to price and buy, you know, how much volume to buy and what promotions to do. And yeah, you know, like, like I said, you know, tracking your hyper local competitive environment is yeah. more important than ever. Um, you know, if you track that also that that whole kind of omni channel experience has now become just so entrenched, so complicated. The shopper has so many options when he or she, you know, even if you want to interact, even if you know what store you're going to, you might be able to, you know, buy, pick it up in store with that same as in-store price guarantee. You might be able to go to Instacart or Shipped and order it. You might have some, you know, that retailer might offer their own national delivery. Uh, it's so complicated and, and managing um, the whole pricing environment and promotional cadence and and the and, and the increased changes of assortment um, it just demands more hyper local real time data and we're able to provide that at a massive scale um, so across the board I mean this, this is critical information for any retailer and for the manufacturers as well right and ultimately it's it's often you know their products that that's on the shelf and their brand equity that's getting played with and their margins that that might be getting compressed or or expanded. Um, and so they need to to be able to kind of strategically respond to retailer pressures as well. Are you seeing any trends when it comes to branding, whether using store brands or other kinds sure. of brands? Yeah, not uh, perhaps not so specific to produce, um, but we do think that um, you know, the, the lever of the private label seems more available than ever to the retailers. You know, they, they, there's, um, I think, surprise to no one that some of the perception around private label is is very different than it used to be. What used to, I think, um, be often considered only the, the budget option um, uh, is now at times... And you see the retailers having their own kind of premium private label versions versus their own uh, budget private label options or own brand options. Um, that's certainly, a, a, I think, a lever that's, um, that's really available to the retailers and they're, they're willing to play with it more than ever. And so I think we're going to continue to see increases in you know, private label assortment and the amount of differentiated private label, even within one retailer that we're going to see. I think those are all things that we can expect um, to continue as trends. Why? Um, uh, yeah, I think. Um, I think. Like the, why the why is that increasing? Does it help? Yeah, I think uh, Taylor, like their brand, it helps them sell more and get more loyalty, basically. Or? Yeah, I think it's a, a like all these things. It's a, a confluence of, of factors. I, I think um, one is that. Um, you know, this isn't necessarily, you know, things we're seeing in the data assembly data just, just from, from our experience with our, our partners, but 
you know, you know, the, the, the best players in this space, the Trader Joe's and the Aldi's that have just mastered this craft of, of selling predominantly their own brand have, have, have changed the game, you know, and they've just, they've just pointed to an opportunity that all the other retailers must wake up to, which is that um, you can build a lot of brand excitement and consumer loyalty to a private label, even if it's not a, a budget item. Um, and, and that's just a, a reality that um, the retailers and frankly, the brands have to grapple with, right? There's, uh, there's just that factor at play. Um, and then second, I think that this kind of newfound ability to, uh, to manipulate these factors hyper-locally and be super responsive to the localized uh, competitive environment just forces their hand. And so if there's a private label item at the store across the street that you're not offering, um, it's probably, um, you know, it's probably going to be on the quick list for a new innovation item for your, for your private label. Um, and so we're seeing that kind of hyper-local competitive pressure causing more focus uh, on private label. And then lastly, you know, speaking of inflation and, and price increases, it's it's just an opportunity for them to um, to provide another option to the shopper that might be experiencing price increases and is interested in a budget alternative. And um, uh, and if there's a, a great option um, that the menu that the retailer can can put on the shelves for them, um, I think the retailer sees that as an opportunity to capture more of that shopper's basket and, um, and, uh, and, and, you know, increase pressure on the manufacturer as well to decrease price. Yeah. I was just about to say, yeah, I would think uh, the inflation and the consumer's sensitivity to, to price even more so now um, might have them opt for retail brands more because of the perception of it being more affordable. Yeah, that would make total sense. Like I said, you know, we don't see that exact demand signal, but through our heuristics, like, you know, seeing how many, you know, seeing the assortment changes and seeing investment in private label by increasing innovation items there, we're certainly seeing those kind of secondary heuristics that would bolster that claim. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you named a lot of strategies that, that retailers are taking. That was really, I think that could be really helpful. Uh, they're, in order to deal with with the price increases and 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 uh, not freak the consumer out too much, <laughs> basically, um, yep. uh, all the tools that they have more and uh, and the granular. I'm hearing that a lot. Um, well, I mean, yeah, that's I mean what that's. Do. I mean, it's it's what we do, and 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 we're hearing it um, so much from our our partners and our customers. Is just you know the the ability to track these things, you know, hyper locally. Um, and at the item level and at the store level just opens up um, a whole new toolbox for the retailer to, to respond to this increased pressure. Um, and, and we think that that's, you know, that there's so much that they can be doing more to, um, to, to play with that consumer price perception by being responsive to the hyper-local, real-time environments, competitive environments in which they are operating. Great. Any final thoughts for our audience? Um, 
you know, I'd, I'd love I'd love to encourage people to go to the grocery pricing index. I think you know some of these trends really pop out when you're yeah. viewing it on a year, two year trend. When you're able to break it down by metro area or locale type, or you're viewing urban versus rural, you know these kind of factors, or by state or by category. I mean, the um, it's endlessly complex. You could lose a couple hours just clicking around because the trends are just uh, so volatile so fascinating and they're so important right now i mean it's uh you know we're talking about um you know the most basic goods and and um and how it's hitting people's you know uh wallets so uh definitely encourage people to to go there and to reach out if they're interested in more hyper local near real-time pricing promotion and assortment information data assembly uh with one s uh dot com forward slash grocery dash price dash index. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Hey, everyone. That wraps it up for us today. Thank you so much for listening. And I would also like to note that this is the 75th episode of Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We have given you 75 in-depth conversations. Pretty cool. So if you do like what you hear, please take a moment and hit that subscribe button, rate us and type out a quick review on whatever platform you use to listen to Tip of the Iceberg. And don't forget to enjoy our earlier 74 episodes. Last week, we talked with John Purcell, a vertical farm seed company, Unfold, about what retailers can expect next on their produce shelves. And in the episode before, we chat with Matt Schwartz of Afresh about using AI to better manage inventory and ordering for supermarket produce departments. And we'll have more of these great conversations from the industry about every week. Thanks so much for your support. I hope you learned something useful and inspirational. Talk to you next time.